We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello? We're on to Cincinnati. You play to win the game. It was all that Dan Marino's fault. Everyone knows that. When it's too tough for them, it's just right for us. Rockpile Report, AFC East Roundup, hosted by Bill's season ticket holder, Drew Gear, a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Jacoby Myers throwing it back across the field. Jones intercepts and he runs through Mac Jones, trying to bring him down. Gone for a game-winning score. Big time player, money maker. Guys had a hell of a career. Ramadre Stevenson was having a great I, game. I, I, don't, I, I don't know. I don't know what Jacoby Myers is doing or who the hell he's throwing the ball to. The quarterback's going to run 50 yards? Oh, give me a break there, on this. There's been a saying that the Patriots coaches have had for a long time. you got to know when the journey is over. And unfortunately, the Patriots, Stevenson Myers didn't realize it. And the playoff journey right now is in real question for the night, Patriots night. after night. that return by Chandler Jones. 30-24, Las Vegas wins it. Welcome, everyone, into another edition of the AFC East Roundup. I am your producer, Chris Krueger, my host, Drew Gear. Still sick, still no voice, and that was Bob Sosie, Scott Zolek, WBZ in New England. Our pastor, Andy Parks, also... Here in studio, boys, what a train wreck of a game! Well, I don't know if train wreck is like the best way to describe it. How can you be on? How can you be on the both both ends of that play? Like the way they lose that game versus a play that went their way in the butt fumble. It's like you have, you're associated with some of the funniest and worst plays ever. It it really is funny. Oh, and also they're associated with the perfect playoff game, just on the wrong side of it. Correct. Andy, tell me that's not funny. That's pretty funny. It could, it could happen to a nicer team, a nicer fan base. Yeah. They, they had it coming. Do we really feel bad for them, Chris? No. No. I, they deserve it. <laughs> 
I, it is Festivus week. I'm sure all of our guests, you know, you take a look around the AFC East this week. The Bills were the only winners. Yeah. I'm sure all of our guests tonight are going to have some grievances there. None probably more passionate than that of our Patriots guest extraordinaire, Christian Simonelli. Now, Chris, I know I just opened a beer, but I'm going to crack a second one for this because I feel like the conversation requires it. As we start the show talking about the Patriots, who lost 30-24 to to the Raiders, we've got Christian Simonelli on the line. Now, Christian, I came in here completely prepared to talk to you about yeah, I, I'm watching football on Sunday. The Bills aren't playing. I'm making my show notes. I'm doing some prep because my kids are taking a nap. And I'm sitting there. I'm going, all right, I'll ask him about the slow start, ask him about how this goes and how the, the rushing and Ramondre Stevenson's big game. But holy shit, did that ending destroy all hope that we were going to talk about any of that? I want to know. <laughs> So now we heard from similarly. How do I pronounce their names again? The uh, the, the 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 commentators at the top of the show who Bob Sosi and Scott Zolak. We heard their reaction, like the because Chris and I were debating: do we want the game call or do we want the conversation that took place after? Walk me through what your reaction to that final sequence was. I like, as it's happening, I want you to just approve or film this I, for me. I want to know, also, can you lay the picture? How are you watching this? Was there other people? Were you watching it with family, alone? I, I want to know the setup that you had for watching that. I'm standing up in my living room, okay? I'm thinking they got two timeouts, 32 seconds up, fishing eight in field goal range to win this thing. I got my knee, I got my hands on my knees and I'm looking at the TV like I'm in a huddle. Okay. And the play unfolds and Stevenson's running. I'm like, oh my God, kid, get some more yards, get out of bounds. Then he laterals the ball. And I go, okay, go out of bounds, Myers. Just fall down. Do anything but put you backwards 10 yards. <laughs> what did he do? He pitched it back and I. The reaction was literally a combination of me standing there with my mouth agape, trying to prevent me from swallowing my own tongue, and just utter shock. Just shock. Now, just shock I hated and awe. Jonathan Vilma so much on the. Oh yeah, shock and awe. And I hated Jonathan Vilma so much. I, I had to turn off the, the the concussion analysis that he was giving me that I put on the radio and I synced my TV up to the radio call. So that radio call just just made it even 10 times worse because they were just, you know, local radio call just over the top stunned. And I, I just couldn't believe what I saw. Uh, Mac looked like some uh, like an old lady who looked like someone stole her pocketbook. <laughs> they just run That's what he looked like. Oh, well, well, Chandler Jones made a comment about how he got the ball in his hands and all he saw was Mac Jones making big eyes at him. Big cartoon character eyes. I was like, yeah, no shit. Yeah, oh, bleep eyes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, shit. Because you know what happens, right? Like, you've had these moments, I'm sure. You played football where you turn around and there's just like, it's like seconds before disaster actually takes place. But you have that oh, moment yeah. of realization like, oh, shit, it's going to happen to me. And then you get trucked. Oh, yeah. And then you just get trucked oh, yeah. by somebody. Except, unfortunately, for Mac Jones, it happened in front of the whole country. 
Like it happened. Oh, it's yeah. it's a viral clip now. Like that's gonna be the thing. Ugh. And now I have to ask. Because obviously the northeastern part of the country is filled with a lot of reasonable people, a lot of level headed people, oh, yeah. a lot of well read people who are, you know, with giant vocabularies. What have the local sports radio stations sounded like this week? It's been the worst of the year by far. Like, you know, I mean, it, it, it has been just total insanity from everybody saying that, that Robert should have went right down to the locker room and fired the entire coaching staff right after the game. Craft <laughs> so should just go in there with should, a blowtorch and just burn everything down oh, yeah. right now. Yeah, that, that Patricia should have been forced to walk home and not get back on the flight from Vegas to Foxborough. Hey, um, hey, not for nothing. Uh, Nick Saban won a national title and left Lane Kiffin at the stadium, so it can be oh, done. Yeah. And that's actually been a big talking point this week, too. While Mac played terrible, I mean, I got to be honest with you, to go 13 for 31, you could tie both of my feet together and blindfold me, and I think I could go 13 or 31. <laughs> That's how bad that kid played on Sunday. Like, he just played – he played so bad. But a lot of the people that, you know, are comment, commenting on this game, you know, they make the point of, geez, look where Matt came from. He came from the most buttoned-up professional program in college football and Nick Saban to his second year to this. Like, people are getting on him for getting frustrated and freaking out and – and, and just acting like a, a baby, when you see your career literally spiraling down the toilet, what do you want the kid to do? Like that's what, And that's what that play was. A total desperation attempt from that offense to just do anything. You know they're the only team in the NFL that doesn't have a passing touchdown in the fourth quarter? In 2023, they're the <laughs> only team in the NFL that hasn't thrown a touchdown in the fourth quarter. That's almost impossible. That's like video game bad impossible. That's that's Chris. Was it on the podcast that I was telling the story about my buddy with the uh, cell phone game? I don't think so. Oh, that, that makes me. That, that reminds me of a friend of mine. He dude was having a rough time going through a divorce. Like just no, I'm not oh. talking about Chris. No, not me. Not Chris. Uh, <laughs> Going through a divorce, he was just looking for something to cheer himself up. And he was like, not even cheer himself up. He's like, I just rather than fight with my wife and have these awkward, weird, like before bed, like we're both going to be in there. He goes, we're both going to go lay in bed and I'm going to download this like cell phone version of Street Fighter. And we're going to play whatever. And he just thought like it would it would help him. Like, all right, you know, I got something. I can get good at this thing, and I'll do something. Something to, like, alleviate the stress of the day that he could just zone out into before he fell asleep. And it turned yeah. out that it was nothing but a bunch of Chinese kids who just beat the balls off him, and he never won a game and then eventually had to delete the app. <laughs> like, that's that's the level of, de- like, because I'm just picturing, like, a dude who has to just take the biggest loss to a child and then have to shut his phone off and just lay there in the dark going... Um, my life is, is spiraling it? out of control. That's what it. I, Where must, is my life? Exactly. Right. That's <laughs> what it must feel like to be a Patriots fan right now today. Like that's what I'm thinking. It's it's, it's maddening. It's maddening. I, I just I, I I'm fully convinced they lose that Arizona game if 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 Murray does not get hurt. And I think they're they're on the end of losing two in a row. I, I, I look at this. Now, now, let me ask you a question, though, because this comes back to the coaching yeah. staff. You can blame Mac. 
you can blame Jacoby Myers not knowing what to do with the ball and just wanting to make a play. I look at this and I go, the decision not to try a Hail Mary. Billichick was quoted as saying it was too far. It was like a 54-yard air yards to the end, like to the goal line. Didn't didn't trust it, so the plan was just to run the clock out, play for halftime or overtime. I've never seen a Billichek coach team decide not to play for a win. And it took me right back to when I watched, like, I watched Billichek concede a game to the Buffalo Bills. He had all three timeouts. He could have forced us to take knees and then punt. Instead, he was like, oh, you guys are going to take knees? Fuck it. We want to go. We want to go home too. And just let us waltz out of there with a victory. I have never seen him concede an opportunity to win in regulation before, ever. And to know that he did so twice now in the last month of football, what does that say about him as a coach and where his head is about this team? I think Bill's one of the smartest coaches to ever walk the sideline. And I think he knows what the limits of this team are. I also think, and so this isn't getting enough coverage, I, I really do think he's worn down. I think he spread too thin. I think he had a lot of faith in Joe Judge and Matty P and his son and Mayo to, 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 to uh, the same extent. And I feel like he's just spread too thin and trying to coach everything at once. And there's just, you can see it. There's just no rhythm on offense. There's just no confidence in this quarterback or in this offense at all. And so I just think he's resigned to the fact of let's not get guys killed. Let's not have terrible plays happen. Whoops, sorry, too late for that. You made probably the worst play in NFL history to end the game. And I just think that he is, in this year, he's just trying to run damage control. I really do. Like, he knows this whole thing is a mess. And he knows he can't fix it now, right? Like he said a couple of weeks ago, look, any changes we make now, it's not going to – it's too late to do that. We can't do that, you know, and, and, and the key word there being now. In other words, that changes, you know, we're coming down the pipeline. But that's the most shocking thing to me is the defeatist just attitude. That's that it. It's totally uncharacteristic. just resigns to the fact that, yeah. It's totally uncharacteristic of Bill Belichick, or at least the guy that we've come to know over 20 years of him just kicking us in the face every single right. year. It, that's, everything's different now. It's <clears throat> we're in the upside down now. So now we look ahead and ask what happens. I mean, this season, Bilicek turned to bottom of the barrel candidates in terms of offensive assistance. He, he you know, I've said it before, Joe Marino from Lockdown Bills. He and I are drinking at a bar this summer and he go, I asked him about it and he goes, every coach, especially a coach who's been around for decades, has a Rolodex. And in that Rolodex is every single coach and assistant and blah, 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 every single staff member that they or person in the NFL, in college football, in somewhere that they trust, that it, at a moment's notice they feel that they could reach out to and say, hey, come work with me, come do this with me, come do that. He said that one of the problems with being around for 20 years is you burn through your Rolodex. You run out of names. And if you think about it, Sarkeesian, he's coaching in college. Bill O'Brien, he's a coordinator in college. Uh, he's, he's, you know, obviously he's not going to get back together with his, uh, uh, what you call him there, uh, 
defensive coordinator who got the text message from him about the, the job in New York, the Flores. He's not going right, back. Flores. To, there's no Flores coming right. to the door. Right. Uh, just right. you go down the list and he is literally everyone that he could potentially turn to. I mean, maybe he can dig up Charlie Weiss. I don't know. Like there, there isn't much. Be nice. He's got nothing left. There is no one left for him to turn to. His son is running the defense, and it's right. basically just all right. I've got no friends left. You know, it's kind of like the. Uh, it's almost like that Bill Burr bit about the, the what the Duck Dynasty guy. He was like, yeah, of course he's in hot water with some controversial state. What did you expect him to be progressive? He has ideas. The problem is he lived so long. Everyone who thinks like him is dead. It's like, that's the problem. So Bill Belichick's the same way. He's coached for so long that everyone he could turn to for help as an assistant coach, as a coordinator, as an assistant head coach, they've all got quality jobs somewhere else because they're good coaches. And now they're making their own careers and he's left without a tree. He's left without help on his own staff. And part of it's his own fault because he's been, he's as GM coach slash, you know, the quality control slash I run everything. He's going to die on that Island. He's made himself a man on an Island and now he's suffering it. Right. Yeah. I, I think when, you know, when Charlie Mm. and Romeo left after the third Super Bowl. They didn't like raid the coaching roster. You had a young Josh McDaniels, you had a young Eric Mangini, and then you had guys behind them. You don't have that now. You you, you had a guy, Nick Haley, that was behind Josh, that is still really green. And I firmly believe that if he they thought he was capable, or Bill thought he was capable, that he would have been the OC or at least offensive assistant without the title because that's what Bill does. Like He doesn't give yes. the coordinator title even though you see the person calling the plays on the sideline. Yeah, you see him calling the plays. You know, he's like, nah, that else. guy's not the coordinator. He's he's right. he's quality control. Pay no attention right. to the man behind the curtain. That's how Bill Belichick does this. I guess my question for you is we kind of wrap this all. After watching not just this, because this disaster of a game is kind of a culmination of what you guys have been flirting with all year. It's just incompetence at the worst possible moments and a lot of it just stems back to coaching what are you teaching these guys what are you as a coach trying to ascribe to on the field you you go ahead and you try for the Hail Mary maybe you get a PI maybe something happens downfield and you, you can't end on a defensive penalty so you get to kick a field goal and instead of even trying it you run your team aground with that play and you watch it blow up in your face is it f- like Bill Belichick has been in firm control of this franchise for so long, and I don't think it's ever been at a low point, especially with the fans, as it has been right now. Right now, today, uh, December 20th, the, in the year of our Lord, 2022, I just don't <laughs> think Patriots fans have ever felt this low, or at least not in their adult lifetimes. Is it time for changes at the top of the totem pole? Like, is this the year where Kraft comes down and says, all right, we need a legitimate GM. You can't just run the show. And do you think that Bill would be agreeable to that? No, Bill would say, no, this is my team. Then fire me. Let me go. Because I, I don't, I, at, this day, at this age, I don't see Bill working with somebody new, somebody younger to come in. I just, I don't see it. Like there was a quote that he had years ago 
he wouldn't draft certain players because he didn't want to coach certain players, quote, at this point in his career. <laughs> well, what does that mean? So you don't, you know, you don't, you don't want to work with guys. Like you don't, there's just guys that you don't want to invest in because maybe they're too much of a diva. Like, I don't know, a wide receiver who can play like TK <laughs> Metcalf, Terry McLaurin, the list is endless. So I'll just draft Nikhil Harry and then trade him for a bag of potato chips three years later. Um, I, I don't think – I think if Kraft came to him with that ultimatum, Bill would walk. I think if, if, if Kraft came to him and said, what are you going to do about the offensive coordinator position? What are we doing with you? What are you doing with the coach and stuff? And Bill said, yeah, I'm bringing in an OC. I'm going to go after Billy. Billy O'Brien is the hot name, the big name everybody around here. Then I think Kraft would be okay. But I, I think Kraft, too, being 81, is at a point where – He's a result-oriented guy. Like, you know, he wants wins. And this team has built a lot. They've built a huge stadium. They have Patriot Place surrounding. There's a ton of money invested in this. This is a $5 billion valuation on a football team that's not probably not going to the playoffs this year. Well, and, and that, that gate to them is everything. That well, like, gate to them is And that's is what I'm everything. saying, like – that's a huge revenue generator. So Kraft's looking at this like, hey, I have a business. I love you. I love Tommy. I loved you both like like sons. Also, right. Tommy walked. Billy, your time will come too. I'm older than you. <laughs> there will come a day when I watch you walk out of here. Because you know who's because you know who's not walking out you know who's not walking out first? Robert Kraft. No, the owner, right. And and I and I don't think Bill would I don't think Robert would say this, but they both know. Bill, I chose you over Tom. That's it. He I, goes, chose, Dude, I, I pick, chose you over I chose you over Tom. I picked you did. over Tom Brady and look what you've handed me. So yeah. with that, we've we, our plan tonight is to add because it's Festivus week over here at the Rock Pile Report. We're asking yeah. every one of our AFC's roundup guests. What is your 2022 grievance you'd like to air and just get off your chest so you can head into 2023 with a clean emotional slate? <laughs> first of all, I want to note I had a lot of problems with you people. <laughs> That's first and foremost. My biggest grievance is to Bill Belichick. How on the planet Earth could you possibly think that your friend, Matty P, could coordinate an offense when everybody from the mailman to the 10-year-old kid playing soccer outside knew it was going to fail in July. <laughs> that is that is crazy to me. Like, he goes, hey, I've got an idea. I've got a, this defensive coordinator that I'm going to make my offensive coordinator. Don't worry, guys. It'll be sweet. And everyone, there's a guy sitting on the corner of a bar who's had probably two more than he should have, who picked up his head when he heard the news come across the ticker, and he goes, what the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck is that? <laughs> Even he knew it sucked. And and yet somehow yep. that guy stone sober can stand there and defend it. It's wild. I'm so happy I can make the Buffalo Bills Nation and particularly the folks over at the Rock Power what happy and festive this week. <laughs> I you just get you know, rolling in it over there. But the people love you, Simonelli. They love you. Uh, Speaking hey, of which I love them all back. Where can they find you on social media Cause so that they can get more of your, your fantastic Patriots insights? It's at Chris with the TIAN on Twitter. And uh, like I said, give me a follow. I'll give you a follow back. And uh, don't block anybody. We have a good time. And uh, you can get a front row seat to my implosion on a weekly basis. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate 
isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And now we turn to the New York Jets, who lost uh, just a fucking heartbreaker to the Lions, 20-17. to Scott, I feel like this is my fault because I moved you guys up in the AFC East lineup as I was writing the notes watching that game. I moved you up preemptively because I was like, well, they're obviously going to win this game. I had no idea that was going to happen. It's my fault. It's clearly my fault, right? Usually I'm comfortable blaming you. So, yes, it is definitely your fault. Uh, that, that said, honestly, that game was all kinds of frustrating for a variety of reasons. People were arguing all week, who's the most to blame? The defense for giving up the, the big fourth and one play? Brayden Man and the special teams for the punt return? Or the offensive line for playing poorly? Zach Wilson for missing open receivers all day and, and uh, missing open throws? Robert Sala for his terrible clock management? And really, the answer is all the above. So let's just get that out of the way. So, the, so basically, the Jets failed across the board. And I'll tell you what. I watched this game, and I walked away from it going, I don't know how the fuck these guys do this. I don't know how Scott goes. To the, I was texting you. You were at the stadium with uh, our friend Kyle Smith, and you guys were watching this thing play out. I remember I texted you making fun of the money badger after he missed a field goal. Because yep. I was like, that's a ridiculous yep. nickname, and that's what he gets. Do I do feel I personally watching that game, having no skin in it, feel the frustration of CJ Mosley on that big play where he's slamming his helmet onto the bench because it just felt like no matter how many times the defense would get the Lions off the field without a score, your off your offense would go back out there and put them right back on. You'd say, hey, listen, we can control this thing for a f-. It's crazy to think that Mike or Zach Wilson can throw the ball accurately on a 40-yard, 50-yard, 60-yard just prayer of a pass. Or he'll throw a ball and get bailed out by a running back. And it's a huge play. And everyone goes, oh, my God, this right. is working. But then the routine shit that a quarterback needs to do, Zach Wilson cannot fathom it. It's mind-numbing. Yeah, and the the thing that's really frustrating about it, Drew, is at least when the Bills drafted Josh Allen, that was baked into the cake. You knew he couldn't do that stuff and that he was going to have to be built from there. You go and you watch Zach Wilson's tape, and I'm not going to sit here and say he didn't have some uh, shortcomings in the short and intermediate areas, but – 
he wasn't missing layup throws like that. You go back and watch his tape. He was hitting the easy stuff to the running backs, the short passes. It was, it's not tough to do, but he just wide open. You, you texted me at one point, there's going to be some Wilson on Wilson violence when Garrett Wilson looked like he was going to kill Zach Wilson. It really was the full Zach Wilson experience on Sunday, though, Drew, because what happened was you had, like you said, a few of those dazzling throws, although I have a funny story about that in a second. And then after that, you had some unnecessary sacks, missing the easy throws, not seeing open wide receivers, by the way. 75% of plays, this tells you how bad the Lions' pass defense is. On 75% of plays, the Jets had at least one open wide receiver, and Wilson completed half of his passes. His adjusted completion percentage, and this is from Haley English, who does the stats for us over at playlikeajet.com, was the second worst of his career. So that tells you something. And people will look at the two touchdowns and the 300-plus yards, and they'll look at the big plays downfield, but they don't look at, number one, the fact that he was missing all the open throws and didn't see the open receivers. And number two, I, as you said, I was with Kyle Smith, and it was really funny because I don't know if you've ever watched a game with Kyle, but no. each play, <clears throat> it's like he's like a coach at the chalkboard. It's really funny the way he approaches it. But so every time – Zach Wilson would go back to pass. If there was an open guy, you'd, you'd hear him. Yet, like we'd be standing there. Like so, for example, on the first play downfield to Garrett Wilson, where he made a big play, Zach Wilson drops back to pass, and I'm not even exaggerating. This is what I hear standing next to Kyle. Garrett Wilson's open. 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 It felt like for about six seconds before Zach Wilson finally threw the ball. Now, thankfully, Garrett Wilson was good enough to stay open, and the Detroit pass coverage is so bad that they weren't able to get there in time. The Ozama touchdown was another one, the long touchdown. Kyle was standing there, Ozama, 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 Ozama. Finally, Wilson throws it down the field. He was late with the pass. Now, Ozama got it partly because, thankfully, Wilson's arm made up for some of the lag time and also because the Detroit Lions, as we said, has the, have the worst pass coverage in the NFL. But even on those big plays, he's he's throwing the ball late. It's really tough, man. And look, if you're being realistic about it, he needed an entire offseason to reset if he was ever going to have a real chance. And, and he's going to play against the Jaguars coming up this week. And I don't like his chances. And I'll tell you what, man, w- w- having to watch Trevor Lawrence now, is really tough. You and I were texting about this the other day. Chris might get this because it's a wrestling reference, but long story short, all I can think about now every time I see Trevor Lawrence is back when they did the ECW, uh, WCW invasion angle in WWE, there was a promo that Paul Heyman, as the owner of ECW, even though in reality, WWE already owned ECW at this time, he's cutting this promo on Vince McMahon. He's saying how, uh, you, you know, you put all these territories out of business your father had a handshake deal with them, and yet you broke the handshake deal. And all I ever wanted to do was build my own wrestling company, and I finally did it. And then you come along, and you steal all my ideas, and you take all my talent, and you use your money and your connections and your reach to put me out of business. And he's like, I'm here tonight to tell you, you, you took everything from me, you son of a bitch. You stole my dream. And every time I see Trevor Lawrence play now, that's in my head. The Jets stole our dreams. He was the Jets' golden ticket for the next 15 years, and the Jets found a way to rob the fans of it. That was the one thing we were rallying around that year. It was the first time we had any sense of joy in like 10 years, 
and they stole it from us. And it makes me sick every time. And hopefully Zach Wilson somehow finds a way magically to work out. But right now, you look at it, as you said, if the Jets had Trevor Lawrence, they're right in there for the number one seed right now. With Zach Wilson, they're playing for their playoff lives. And I don't know that that many people are going to be picking the Jets based on, on what we've seen. It's just no. it's tough to watch Trevor Lawrence. <clears throat> no, now. I sent Yeah, Chris, I sent uh, after the game was over, I sent him a text and I told Scott, I swear to God, after watching this game, take your defense and put Trevor Lawrence on. And at quarterback with those wide receivers, you're talking about a powerhouse offense that also has one of the best defenses in football. They would be talked about in the same way that Cincy, Buffalo, uh, Kansas City. They would be talked about in that same way, regardless of who their coach is, regardless of what the plan was. You'd have so much talent that it would be almost impossible for you to not at least be pushing to be in the upper echelon of the AFC. And instead, I don't know about you're a that. Mess. I think that Trevor Lawrence likes throwing to Zay Jones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, to Zay Jones. I'm sure he's he's happier throwing to Zay Jones than Garrett Wilson. I'm yeah, I'm sure he's having I'm a sure blast. So th- this is the thing. Like, obviously, Mike White, in at quarterback makes a huge difference. He's not going to be available for you this next week. He might not play again this season. It's yet another, like I made the joke at our tailgate this week. I was like, something happens where there's a young up and coming quarterback and the bills just come screaming in and go, Hey, fuck you. Fuck you for five weeks. (laughs) And they, they break the guy's ribs and it's two. We did it to Tua. Uh, Now it's happening to you guys. Who else can we knock out of this? Chris? I mean, I feel like the Patriots would think we were doing them a favor. Yeah, I don't know. So here's you tweeted out, Scott. Bills Mafia and Josh Allen clinching the playoffs for a fourth, what, for for third straight year represents two things. Oh, no, clinching well, the playoffs. fourth straight year, isn't it? Fourth straight year of the playoffs, yeah, playoffs represents two things that the Jets haven't done. The Jets haven't made the playoffs more than two years in a row ever. No Jets yep. quarterback has made the playoffs four times while playing for the franchise. The most is three yep. by Ken O'Brien and Chad Pennington. Yep. I saw that and it blew my fucking mind. And that's the crazy thing. It's like that point you just made about Trevor Lawrence becomes more egregious when you watch Zach Wilson mm-hmm. play because you go, this is how we get here. We as a franchise keep drafting the wrong quarterback. The wrong quarterback at the wrong time, and boom, we're right here. You, know, you drafted Mark Sanchez. Mark Sanchez was fine. He was a game manager. That team, in order to be a Super Bowl champion, needed a little bit more. It needed something better well, than that. To, to, to be fair, Drew, I think game manager is a bad moniker for Sanchez because he turned the ball over a lot. They wanted him true. to be a game manager. He wasn't really capable of it, although to his credit, he did have some pretty decent playoff performances, but overall, yeah, he, the turnovers were a killer. Even the year where he only, only, I say, had 18 interceptions, he also had like eight fumbles. So, <laughs> Yes. Oh, wait, wait. You mean, and one of the hilarious, like one of the most hilarious ones of all time? Maybe ever? Well, like, that was the following promised. year, but yes. So... I guess the now we're sitting here in the aftermath. It's tough knowing what a, like knowing that a win with the Dolphins loss and the Patriots loss, like it would have put you right into the playoff picture. But you're still just one yep. game out. You need some help. 
what's your level of confidence that the team can at least make it interesting over the next two weeks? And as we're asking every guest tonight, what is the grievance? Yeah, since since this is Festivus week, what's the grievance that you would like to air about the 2022 New York Jets? So confidence level. The interesting is thing is the Jets are now unexpectedly playing three teams with playoff aspirations. The Jaguars are within spitting distance of stealing away the the AFC South from the Tennessee Titans. They're one game behind and they have to play each other again. So the Jaguars are right back in this thing. They could take that division. The, the Seahawks, they have to go on the road and play them. The Seahawks, of course, have sputtered a bit, but they're still in the playoff hunt. And that last game of the season, playing the Miami Dolphins, who are going to be playing for a playoff spot, and I'm sure would love nothing more than to pay the Jets back for what happened in October when the Jets beat them by scoring 40 points against them at MetLife Stadium when Skylar Thompson was the quarterback. So <laughs> my level of my level of uh, optimism or is not very high. I mean, maybe they can squeak out a win against the Jags, but the way the Jaguars, in particular Trevor Lawrence, have been has been playing. Really, it does not give me a lot of hope for for what's to come. I really hate to say this, but Mike White getting hurt may have been the end of this season, realistically. And I, I tweeted it out when the announcement came that Mike White was out and Zach Wilson was going to play because, look, Zach Wilson may eventually become a good quarterback, maybe. The odds aren't great, but it could happen. But it wasn't going to happen after sitting for three weeks. He just was never going to be, be re- rebuilt to that point. And Mike White was operating on a pretty competent level. I think he gave you a chance to win the, those games. And I think if he'd have played against the Lions, the Jets win that one fairly comfortably because he would have hit all those open receivers that Zach Wilson either didn't hit or didn't see. Now the next three weeks, it just it becomes such a difficult road for this team. And they're going to have to win out to have a chance so I'm not super confident about it. And as far as grievances, man, I don't even know where to start with this. I mean, the Trevor <laughs> Lawrence thing is an old grievance, but certainly that would count as a grievance because that basically, that to me was a backbreaker. Like it's one thing in 2015 when the Jets didn't make the playoffs because it was a short-term fix and Fitzpatrick isn't good. And it was just one of those years that things kind of bounced the right way for the Jets a few times and, at the end, it didn't work out for them, but it's not like they were some long-term contender. The Lawrence thing is just a killer because, like you said, that was the guy. He could have had him for 15 years. He could have completely changed the course of the franchise, and now the Jets are in a situation where they may be looking to get a new quarterback at the end of this season. I was saying earlier that a couple of years ago, there was a whole debate when Kirk Cousins became available. Should the Jets go after Kirk Cousins? Now they did, and he went to Minnesota anyway. But the argument for me was Cousins is a proven commodity. He's 29 years old. Yeah, go after Kirk Cousins. Oh, no, he's not that good. He's he's not elite, blah, blah, blah. Well, at, since then, the Jets have drafted two quarterbacks in the top three that couldn't shine Kirk Cousins' shoes, right? So it just kind of shows you that when you have a proven commodity, a quarterback, hang on to him for as long as you can. And when you don't, sometimes you got to be realistic and not – go for the supermodel when the cute girl next door is willing to say yes to you. <laughs> exactly. So again, old grievances, but I guess we can all put this into one 2022 grievance, which is the quarterback position. I'm mad that Zach Wilson hasn't worked out. And I'm mad that Mike white, who was playing pretty well after it looked like the jets might've gotten a pleasant surprise, the type of pleasant surprise that they don't normally get 
he was taken away from Jets fans too. So all of that ties together for my big QB grievance. Scott, at least we love you, right? At least we love you. <laughs> our listeners love you. Why don't you tell everybody where they can find me on social and what you get, where they can find all your work at Play Like a Jet? So you can find me on social media at Play Like a Jet One. We've got PlayLikeAJet.com, the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. Great all 22 videos up there, courtesy of Luke Grant, the Thunder from Down Under. We got some really good written content at playlikeajet.com. Charmin Phillip, Tommy Griffin, Krantz, and Haley English has been bringing the fire with the stats too. Uh, you can also uh, make sure that you check out our, our store, tpublic.com. That's tepublic.com. Shirts, hats, the whole deal, all of that. And then also, I want to say this, guys, if it's not going to be the Jets, uh, I, uh, the, we were talking about this, Kyle and I. I feel like there's not a level of hatred between Bills and Jets fans the way there is with Bills and Dolphins fans and Bills and Patriots fans and Jets and Patriots fans and Jets and Dolphins fans, largely because I don't remember a time when the Jets and Bills were good at the same time. It hasn't happened much. So if it's not going to be the Jets that come out of the AFC East, uh, if the Bills could wipe out the Patriots and the Dolphins on their way to wherever they're going, would be much appreciated. So. I'm I'm pulling for you guys to get rid of those, to get rid of those two teams, and unfortunately, it doesn't look like this is going to be the Jets' year, but maybe it'll be the Bills' year. We'll see. And so that brings us to the Dolphins, who lost to the Bills 32-29 in what might go down as Game of the Year fodder for the NFL Network. Like Chris, you know how many times they replayed that Chiefs Bills game in the off season? Oh, probably a bunch. You're going to see this game get replayed over and over again on NFL Network this offseason. I promise you. We have Elf Artiaga here. Elf, you can't be mad, can you? Nah, it was a, it was a really entertaining game. If you're going to be mad at anything, if you're a Dolphin fan, it's just, uh, I don't know if it's a league directive or it's just how officials decided to treat us for the last, I don't know going on it's like five weeks now where uh secondaries are just playing us really 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 physically to the to the point where they're they're essentially holding incessantly and committing pass interference and then all of a sudden you know you play in the biggest game of the year and it's pretty it's called pretty well for the most for the most part and then you know they it rears its ugly head it wasn't the reason they lost it's just annoying (laughs) Well, here was something. So there was a guy standing next to me, a listener who actually bought the two spare tickets we had to go to the game. And he's standing next to me and he's like, I don't understand what the he's like, oh, Miami's so fucking dumb. Ah, oh, they keep holding. And I'm like, you idiot. They don't care. Right. Like they and he's not an idiot. But I was like, Miami, we're talking about that drive at the end of the first half. Miami doesn't give a shit how many first downs they give up. They will defensive hold. They will commit P.I. They'll do it because there's only 20 seconds left on the clock. (laughs) So if you give up five yards at a time, the extra downs don't matter. The clock and how far you can actually get the ball downfield is what matters. And it almost worked. You guys played a hyper physical game with our wide receivers. It got flagged, but it didn't matter. And in a perfect world, in a non Josh Allen world, you guys go into the half with the lead. Like that's it. You go into the Possibly. half. With, you go into the half with the lead, because w- what other quarterback do you see 
scrambling around, running out the clock, and then throwing up just a prayer of a pass into the back of the end zone as he's falling backwards and having that go for six. Yeah, and then having Bradley Chubb uh, hit him out of bounds for what should have been 15 yards. So, yeah, it was a, it was a spectacular play. Uh, it was a dumb play. <laughs> but but Josh Allen, you know, well, did, he did pulled you, it out. Did he, you, did, he you hear, Allen. did you hear Sean McDermott's comment about it after the game? Uh, um, no, uh, I'm pretty sure he said it was pretty stupid, but what he hey, said was out, so I, let's celebrate. Th- this is verbatim. He goes, oh, yeah, real smart. Run around, drive the clock to zero seconds and then throw a touchdown. It's just that easy, huh? And he goes, it's a good thing he got a touchdown there. He goes, because he and I, I would have had to let the air out of his tires after the game. <laughs> I would have had. This is the coach at the podium. He's like, I would have had to. Let, I would have had to flatten all of his tires after the game. Like that's he and I would have had to have a conversation. And uh, and, and he said he goes, it's a learning experience for Josh, and it's a learning experience for me. We're both going to learn something from this. I think what he learned is that he can't trust Josh Allen to go out there and just be conservative. It's never going to happen. So don't tell your coaches don't go into it thinking that he will because he never will this is who you know what i mean it's like the frog and the scorpion this is the guy whether you like it or not so i thought that was a turning point in the game because we get that touchdown at halftime and then alf you guys come out third quarter and we just immediately go three and out i thought the momentum switched back to miami's favor right there absolutely it it was it was a, a huge point in the game that touchdown probably decided the game, but there were so many moments in this game that you know could have, you know, pushed pushed the the result one way or the other. Uh, uh, let me see. A very important moment, of course, Trent Sherfield dropping the, the touchdown uh, right after Tyreek Hill dropped the touchdown on two pretty damn good throws by by Tua Tungvaloa. The first one moving up into the pocket to deliver a pass to Tyreek Hill that hits him in both hands. And then, of course, uh, a play that I talked about this on OnlyFans. This was the play that that Tua had actually put in for the week. It's a play that he had run earlier in the year. Uh, it was a play that they were going to call inside of the 10-yard line either for, you know, on a goal-to-goal situation or to try to convert a very important third and five or less, which is essentially a pick play. But they ran it perfectly. And – you know, if, if he throws it up high and they actually ran the same exact play, the only thing is that they reversed it and they ran it with an arrow route from uh, Chase Edmonds in game three. I, I think you remember it. Mm-hmm. And Chase Edmonds got absolutely blasted at the at the goal line. Well, this time to, uh, you know, they reversed the, they, they reversed the play this time to have Sherfield run it and run it as a wide receiver. And Tua delivered it perfectly. He put it nice and low. Nobody could hit him. Only you can catch it. Dropped it. So there was a lot of moments in this game. Uh, I think the biggest moment of this game was there was a moment right there where I was thinking, okay, we're putting this thing away. Like this, this is starting to look like the kind of games that we've been winning all year, where it's been kind of close. And then we just have a big fourth quarter and we end up winning by two scores. And that was the, the strip sack fumble. We get the field goal. We're feeling kind of disappointed, but the very next play is a Josh Allen run, and he fumbles again, this time near his own 20-yard line. And I believe your right tackle fell on it. Yep. And Atlanta Mm -hmm. Roberts contested it, but too late. 
we get that one, who knows what happens. Oh, no, for sure. Like, that that would have been a death knell. Like, you go up multiple scores like that, like, what, like, let's say it's even another field goal, and what are we talking, like, 12 points? Uh, 11. 11. That's, that that would have been the difference. Yeah, we uh, Drew and I, after you got that field goal in the fourth, because Drew literally got sick throughout the day. And I just I, got to watch sickness just take me down. Yeah, Drew was very quiet throughout most of the game, but after you got because I had no voice, I was Mister Bean. You guys kept making fun of me. Yeah, after after <laughs> the field goal, I looked at Drew and I was like, "Are do you want to see this drive and then leave?" And you were like, "Yeah." And it turned out we ended up staying for the whole game because then we drove down and Knox got that touchdown with the. Uh, one hell of a two-point conversion. It's, it, I mean, Elf, here's the thing. So you watch the game, you go back and forth, the snow comes in, the game, it was very storybook, the way it all played out. Like, it was like something out of a movie. So with that in mind, the, like, this game, the way the other game went, the rivalry is definitely back, right? Like, Absolutely. this is a rivalry. There, there's no doubt in my mind, and I'm sure you might agree with me, one of our two games next season is going to be on primetime. And, yeah, uh, you know, you go one and one and the score is 51-50 Buffalo. Yeah. It's, A one-point uh, differential? <laughs> yeah, it's it's on. Now, here's something we talked about during our recap and something I've talked with Dolphins fans on social media about this week. I think that the weight of this loss... Because there's people who, oh, this wide receiver screwed us. The refs screwed us. The quarterback, uh, well, he didn't throw as many yards as Josh Allen did. Bah, 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 bah. I think it falls on the coaching staff. I think they made just enough questionable decisions that it inevitably sank your boat. Would you agree with me if that was my assessment? Well, there was one feature of this game that was kind of glaring, right? Uh, Dolphins ran the ball really, really well. And they had six third and twos and third and ones. They converted one of them with Alec Engel running the fullback up the middle. Yep. The other five, they threw it and they didn't get any of them. So. Nope. No, it's, you know, it's, it's that, ridiculous. That's, that I, like, like to find out that you guys ran the ball, because I remember thinking about it in the fourth quarter, but I'm sick. You're at the game. Like, you're not, you're not keeping the pitch count. And then you go home and you look at the box score and you break down the like the play by play and you're looking at the numbers and you go, oh shit, they only ran the ball three times in the fourth quarter. What yeah, three f- three times for eighteen yards and only on first down. So you yeah. only ran on first down, and if you guys got to second down, it's like McDaniel's knee jerk reaction when things get tight is just to go to the pass. And I get it; you've got two great wide receivers. But do you agree with me that some of this could have been avoided if he just trusted some of these less heralded players to do their job? Yeah, uh, you know, we dusted off Savan Ahmed out of nowhere. <laughs> he played very well in, in this game as well. Um, supposedly, Jeff Wilson tried uh, tried to make it a go. And our coach said that, you know, Mike McDaniel said that he was really close to playing. But he was like, you know, uh, Jeff Wilson's the kind of guy that you don't trust with those questions. Because he's trying to save him from himself. Because he's going to say, "I'm fine. I'm good to go." So he held out Jeff Wilson and activated Savon Ahmed the day of the game. He played really, really well, and he had some good blitz pickups. Uh, he was 
good throughout. So I don't know why they, you know, they had a lot of moments in this game where they could have just settled down, taken a deep breath and said, you know what, let's try to get a first down here by running it, running it three times. We're creative enough. And you saw a lot of our runs. Oh, We're yeah. creative enough that we could probably get something. And, you know, what really pisses me off as well, you know, and if we're, if we're going to be talking about the, the coaches and it kind of pisses me off about something that Mike McDaniel said, he was absolutely right that the Bills were trying to time our runs by bringing run blitzes and we were catching them off guard. On that last third and two where we, we tried to run a slip waggle screen, we run that all year to Durham Smythe and it worked all year. They decided, you know what? It's worked all year. We're going to spring it on the Buffalo Bills here on this spot. And, of course, this is the first time all year that that little sprint whack. Because if you saw the play, we make it look like, hey, we're running it up the middle behind a fullback in the I formation. Yep. And then Tua, mm. then Tua just keeps it and does like a semi-naked boot and hits the tight end who flares out after he fakes like he's blocking. It's supposed to lull your defense to to sleep to try to defend the run, and usually the way it works is that we run that the fake works, linebacker sucks in, and Durham Smythe is just standing out there. Well, this time he wasn't just standing out there. Your entire defense was out out there expecting it. So yeah, yeah. If you're gonna blame anybody for the loss, uh, yeah, I would say Mike McDaniel. But you know, you got to give him credit as well. He got his team ready to play. After he talked all types of crap all, all week well, yeah. about saying that he expected his team to play really well in this game. Right. And he was right. So, he, you know, he gets kudos for that, but they that, lost. That's one of the things I do appreciate is that if you're going to talk some shit, you better back it up. Mike McDaniel backed it up. You know, pe- people people obviously now want to you know, throw barbs. That's how social media is now. They, they, they make fun. They're making jokes. Well, I'll tell you what. The guy said some crazy shit. But he came in here and almost won it. I give him credit. You get your team ready. I appreciate the fact that that game will go down as maybe one of the. I mean, I, Chris, we, 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 you, you have like a short list in your head. Now, I've been a season ticket holder longer than you. I've, what, this is 11 years? Uh, 12 if you count the COVID year, which doesn't. But maybe longer. I don't know. I'll have to do the math. I have too much to drink. But what I do know is that you have a very short list of the truly memorable games that you get to watch play out in front of you, especially considering where we sit, Chris. We have the all-22 view. We look right down the center of the field. So we have a really unorthodox view of how the game is playing out, how certain players make certain plays, how things break open. So we get to see the Cook touchdown, the Knox touchdown, the, the, uh, the two-point conversion drive. Yep. All of the the game winning kick and the runs that they made to get down, get the ball down there. You get to watch all that develop and happen in real time, like you're watching on the coaching film. Through that, it it makes some games more memorable than others. This is an all timer. It's going to be in the top three of the best games I've ever seen in person at the stadium in my entire life. Short of the Bills winning the AFC championship game, hopefully this year. But that's it. Like, that's the end. This has the feeling of something that has legs. And I like it. I like the fact that this means something. Because I'll tell you what, Chris, we never went back and forth with the Patriots. 
No, it's not a rival. We never went back and forth with the Jets. We've played almost no meaningful football games against them ever in our franchises, at least during my lifetime. Yeah. So it's nice to know that this thing that used to exist, this fun rivalry between these two teams, is alive and well again. And that I don't see either one of those other teams stepping into that anytime soon. Do you? No, no. <laughs> did you see? Uh, did you see Mac Jones yeah. against the Raiders? No, no, it's not happening. I just like, like how I, I just like how what uh, what's his face uh, Chandler Jones. Chandler Jones. When they asked him what what was going through his head, he goes, "Not much. I just got." He goes, "I wasn't even thinking." He goes, "I got the ball and I turned around and I just saw Mac Jones staring at me with big cartoon character eyes." <laughs> and it's like, oh no. Oh, no, Matt by, Jones. By the way, I'd like to give you uh, – it's not really a stat. It's just an anniversary. Do you know what happened two years to this day? What's that? The New York Jets defeated the Los Angeles Rams, the heavily favored Los, An- Los Angeles Rams, when they were 0-13. They defeated them 23-20, and the guy who won the game was uh, Braden Ham, I think is his name. He's a, he's a punter who made the game-saving tackle on a punt return against the Rams. Now you're asking me, okay, like, why does this matter? You know, it's just the Jets going 1-15, and so why does this matter? Well, it matters because that was the difference between pick number one and pick number two. They took Zach Wilson. Jaguars took Trevor Lawrence, who is looking like the next big thing. So we dodged the biggest bullet in our division in 20 years, maybe. I'll drink to that. Get that one. I'll drink to that. C- congrats to the Jets, you losers. Now, Elf, as we're asking everybody, as we let you guys go, this is Festivus Week here at the Rock Pile Report. We're going over, we're, we as Bills fans have been airing our grievances so that we can all head into 2023 with a clean emotional slate. What is the biggest grievance you'd like to air about the 2022 Miami Dolphins? They should be, they're already the top five offense. They should be the number one offense in the NFL because they should be running it for 150 yards a game as well as throwing it for about 280 because they have a capable running game. I have a stat for you. They've only had three games where they've had more than league average carries. And in those three games, they had this Bills game where they ran for, what was it, 179? One eighty. What was the number? It was somewhere up. And okay, they ran for like one fifty against the Jets, and they ran for over two hundred against the Cleveland Browns. So what does that tell you? So if they ever just committed to this thing, the only three times this year they decided they're going to run the ball more than league average, they have big rushing performances. So maybe that should tell them something. So hopefully going forward, they have that balance. And if they have that balance, they're going to have one of the best offenses in the league. But Elf, they're the smart people, right? They get paid millions of dollars. We're just idiots with beer and microphones. What do we know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Ray Mostert, man. Well, what a game, right? What a that game. That was fun to watch. All right, Elf. Well, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you on social media and where they can follow your upcoming work as we kind of as we watch this thing play out and see where the Dolphins fall. Yeah, uh, you can get our, all our work at the number three yards per carry on Twitter. Um, I have links there to almost everything. Of course, you could join us on OnlyFans for $3 a month. It's a Discord. And, of course, you want to listen to our podcast. We're on Spotify, <laughs> iTunes, everywhere you get your podcast. That's, that is also the number three 
yards per carry. Christian Simonelli, Alpha Arteaga, Scott Mason, three of the best. They're like the truth commission. Is that just spitting truths with their grievances? You, you are you have to be making these up at this point. No, it was like an army thing in the right before the uh, the Attitude Era, so like ninety seven. Andy, tell me you you weren't a wrestling guy for that brief like six to nine month <laughs> window of the Attitude Era from like ninety eight to like the beginning of ninety nine. When yeah, I was okay. in sixth like, grade. I was in sixth grade. So Okay, sixth grade, I understand that because you see Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock, you're like, all right, this is pretty cool. Like, okay, this is great. This is pretty yeah. sweet. Yeah. You just imagining yourself giving your teacher a Stone Cold Stunner. <laughs> or me, maybe that was just no, me. No, for me, I liked uh, all the different characters that uh, Mac Foley played. <laughs> that oh, is, yes, dude, yes. When he'd come out as Dude Love. Dude Love. And I, remember, kind, I do remember having Jack. the conversation with some of my friends who were more into wrestling than me and just being like, so are, am I supposed to sit here and pretend I don't know who that guy is? <laughs> is, that, right. is, that, is that what we're all doing here? In one breath, you'll argue that, oh, wrestling is totally real. It's not fake at all. And then you see the same, objectively same guy. Yeah. Walk out with a different T-shirt, and you're like, who's this fella? What's oh, going on? Oh, dude love. So the guy who had a sock on his hand now comes out in tie-dye, and I'm supposed to pretend I don't know him. Brilliant. <laughs> it's yeah. theater is what it is. I have a hard time with suspension of disbelief. Like, I'm sorry. Fair it enough. just ruined a lot of wrestling for me. We're talking about the Bills to wrap this up. Beat the Dolphins 32-29. to 29. As we run down the odds and the week's rooting interests, the Buffalo Bills have a 100% chance to make the playoffs. We clinched. That's it. The playoff-bound Buffalo Bills. This is Sean McDermott's fifth trip to the playoffs in six seasons as the Bills head coach. Chris, do you remember remember the time Jerry Sullivan shit all over the idea of the Bills hiring? Yeah. (laughs) Greg Williams, 2.0. He literally said that. He goes, oh, yeah. you know, in his defensive statistics, which are already being overblown. Chris, it's embarrassing that they, like like I said, like I said last week, it's the hackery. Like, that's what did, I mean, his recent comments aside, right. he should have been fired a long time ago for his hackery. Yeah, the morning all of that broke, I, I went on, opened up Twitter, and the f- first tweet I saw said, uh, good morning to everybody except for Jerry Sullivan. Screw you. And I didn't know what was happening, but I thought, oh, of course. <laughs> yes, well, of course. I, I like this tweet. And then there's like, oh, there's a, there's a specific reason today. Why isn't every day a day to start like that? It must be funny walking through life just being someone everyone hates. Did yeah. we talk on this podcast about the time that I, we bumped into him at Lucky Day? No, I don't think we have. Uh, Lucky Day Whiskey Bar. And okay. Do you know where it is? I don't. Okay. So downtown. It's, it's downtown. Okay. And I'm at the parking meter and I'm waiting. My wife is getting the, she's, she's doing something in the car. Oh no, we, we paid for our ticket and she had to go put it back in the window. And so this elderly gentleman and his wife are standing there at the meter now and they're holding a cake and some balloons and there's, they're obviously like there's some kind of a small party or something that they're going to. And this guy is just bitching up a storm about the parking meter and how this is inefficient and blah, 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 blah. and something just struck me. And I looked at him and I go, holy shit, that's Jerry Sullivan. So I made my wife go. F- well, I waited for Yuleberg to park. I made my wife go. F- I was like, please tell me they're going to Lucky Day. Please. So she followed him around the corner. She goes, now nah, I feel like a creep stalking two old people. But yes, they did go into the same place we we're going. I'm so excited. I get inside, I sit down, we, we get seated. It turns out he's sitting directly above us 
We're in this lower section of tables, and he's seated directly above us. Now, I call the waitress over, and I go, I need you to do me a favor. There's a gentleman sitting in a brown sport coat upstairs directly above me. I need you to send him a drink from me and then also bring him a note. And she was like, well, what is the note going to say? And I was like, you can't read it. And she's like, well, I'm not doing that. And I was like, okay. Smart girl. You're going to find this funny. It's just going to say, you suck. Love everyone. (laughs) She was like, absolutely not. There's no way I'm doing that. Fair enough. (laughs) And that's so like, that's the way this guy has rubbed everyone. Mm -hmm. It's just funny that he shit all over Sean McDermott after his hire. And now he's gone and Sean McDermott's still here. And he's still making the playoffs. Chris, we had six head coaches during the drought who never made the playoffs once. McDermott on his own has made it five times. He's three playoff appearances away from tying Marv Levy. And if you think about it, the way Josh Allen's contract runs, the way his contract runs, the way Brandon Bean's contract runs, can we all kind of agree he'll probably get there? He could get there this this season. With those three wins. Oh, no, no, no. I'm talking about eight appearances. Oh, oh, three more appearances. Yeah, okay. Yeah, no, absolutely so he'll get there. Three more playoff years over the rest of Josh Allen's career. Do you think that's attainable? Yeah, in three years. <laughs> that'll be obtainable. But do you guys agree or disagree with me that this might be our best chance, our last best chance at winning a Super Bowl? Just given the way the salary cap works, given the way... I mean, I'd love to be able to win the Super Bowl because that also means we win the Super Bowl and Greg Thompson gets a stake from you. God. Where are we on that now? What am I, 0-3? Yeah, you're two two more Bills wins against the Patriots and a a playoff playoff win. Andy, that was a bad bet in retrospect, wasn't it? Either way, if you end up with a steak dinner in front of you, how bad was the bet? Exactly! Exactly. I'm still not a loser. I'm still eating a giant ribeye. You're just for it. Who gives a shit? You know what? I'll take the success of my team over... Thank you. ...over paying for a steak dinner. Thank you. So as we go down the odds, 99% chance we win the AFCs for a third straight year. 50% odds that we carry the next two weeks and earn the top seed in the AFC. And that sweet, sweet bye week and home field advantage throughout the playoffs. What do you guys think about our chances? Very good. I have learned to be very cautious about hope. As oh, a yeah, Bills hope's fan. dangerous. Yeah, no. Uh, what's the expression? It's the hope that kills you? Yes. But, no, I, I'm, I'm optimistic. I just think that we have to bring our A game against Cincinnati. If we can't, do, if we can't beat Cincinnati the regular season to hold on to the number one seed, <laughs> I wonder about us being able to do that in the postseason, where we will almost certainly see them. That's fair. I just look at this and I go, Kansas City struggles on a weekly basis beating teams that what that you would call, I think it would be fair to call lesser competition. That's generous, yes. Cincinnati taking untimely injuries right here at the end. Yeah. We're going to play them without their best defensive ends. And their defensive ends are very, very good. They allow them to do a lot of what their defense does. Is because they have, they had Trey Hendrickson. Even when they didn't have Trey Hendrickson, they had Sam Hubbard. Well, now they have neither. 
And then Buffalo plays two teams with losing records who are statistically inferior and don't throw the ball. They, I mean, they run it. They play enough defense to pose a threat. It'll be, it's not a cakewalk, but you feel good about it. Yeah. I think, Chris, I'm cautiously optimistic. I think that the Bills can win these next two games and get the hell out of here. The weather in the I'm more worried about the weather in Chicago than I am the Chicago Bears themselves. Yeah, that'll be interesting how the weather factors in and you what actually happens weather-wise. You don't earn three wins in the course of an NFL season by being great or good or even moderately competent. What month is it? Are we talking like in September? They have three wins. wins right now. Right. It's fucking hilarious, isn't it? How are you as a professional team with a sophomore quarterback? You have three wins. Like I, the Jets figured out how to get to at least double that. Yeah. I think what it is is coaching. Justin Fields had to learn a whole new offensive playbook. So he's probably not comfortable with it. But you've seen over the last two months that he's kind of they've kind of figured out what to do with Justin Fields. Sort of. He's and those designed runs, which <clears throat> I don't know how effective that's going to be if there's going to be two feet of snow in Chicago. Well, I would tell him to watch out because uh, young quarterbacks in the Buffalo Bills don't mix. How many ribs have we broken now? Six. Good luck. Yeah. G- good luck. So this weekend's rooting interests, I have them lining up like this. Obviously, we're hoping for Seattle over Kansas City. A Buffalo win and a Kansas City loss and you're talking about a Kansas City team that has struggled against poor competition as of late, would make a 73% favorites to carry the top seed in the AFC East. Like, we would have cushion. Then you get to, like, if you can win that one and watch the Chiefs lose, now you're talking about a world where maybe you're resting all your starters the final week. Maybe you're resting your starters against New England. Which would be an amazing turn of fate. Case Keenum. For you, at least. Yeah. K- Case Keenum throwing passes to practice squad players and Isaiah McKenzie. Hilar- hilarious if they catch more of them than him. <laughs> Green Bay over Miami. It's possible. Yeah. I'm rooting. For, uh, Dolphins loss would, regardless of what happens in our game, would make us the division winners. Mm-hmm. So no matter what happens down the stretch, we'd at least get one playoff home game. Okay. Like, I'm looking at that. And it would also make Miami a team that, I'm not going to lie to you, I don't want to see them in the playoffs. I don't. So it would make them vulnerable as an eight-win team, not just playoff seeding, but playoffs altogether. Sure. Like, you might be in jeopardy of not making the cut. And it would just, I feel like, Chris, bouncing them out of the playoffs in 2020 was one of the funniest things that's ever happened. Yeah. All you needed to do was win an in. We put our backups in and they outscored you. I would love to watch that be the case again. Like, just an embarrassing defeat that, for all the hype and all the preseason, uh, preseason and like early season accolades they got, mm-hmm. missing the playoffs would be pretty delicious. And if they win, there is a consolation prize because, Chris, if we can maintain the one seed and they stay where they are, can you imagine a Kansas City Miami playoff game? I'd love to see it. That's, Dude, it. that's Alien versus Predator. Well, it's great <clears throat> because I get to sit back and just hate watch 
in a relaxed manner. Right. And just know that who whoever wins, it's it's good for me. Yes. Someone is someone who I don't like, like and just I'm not talking about players, I'm talking about a fan base, mm-hmm. is gonna go home really upset. And that makes me happy. New England over Cincinnati. Now, Chris, how impossible does this seem? Very impossible. It would, if they were to somehow stumble here, insulate Buffalo from falling any further than second. Even if we, you know, if we fail to run the table. What if Mac Jones on Sunday continues to have a poor performance? Then at what point do you put in Jacoby Myers at quarterback? I'm not going to lie. They might they might play Bailey Zappi this week. There's talk about it. Wow. Well, how many times throughout the Bills drought years did you see the Bills play terrible and do terrible and, and not show any signs of life whatsoever? And then they have a, one or maybe even two really good games that almost prevents the team from making the drastic sweeping changes they need to make to make the franchise better. Uh, 2015... When Rex Ryan's Buffalo Bills beat the New York Jets and kept them out of the playoffs. Yes. A.J. Tarpley with a ridiculous oh, interception. Another A.J. Tarpley mentioned while I'm on the podcast. Yeah, A.J. So Tarpley. So I'm, I'm hoping for a New England win here because that way um, we Cincinnati loses, which is good for the Bills, and it's just enough success for New England not to make any changes that will actually make them a better team. And isn't that really what we all want long term? Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. So solidified mediocrity in New England. And a in-the-moment loss for Cincinnati, that's the best-case scenario. The last one, well, it's it's twofold, but it's all rolled into one. I need Tennessee over Houston, and I need the Jets over Jacksonville. I don't know how they do it, but it's the same theme. We've seen what the Titans are as a football team. The Bills rickrolled them early in the season. We were like, oh, hey, guys, you're you're good. You won your division. You were the number one seed last year. You were the number one seed. Psych! Oh, yeah, you guys are good. Oh, nothing about them scares me at this point. Nothing. They're, they're, they're relatively toothless on offense. They don't have any explosion to their game. It's Derrick Henry or bust. That's it. That's all they have going for them. Meanwhile, the Jaguars are one of the hottest offensive teams in football. Look at this. They're 3-1 and one over the last month. Three games scoring more than 28 points. They're top 10 in a whole bunch of offensive categories. Yards, rush yards, pass yards, uh, yards per carry. That's what it is. Passing yards and passing touchdowns. All top 10. Call me selfish, but I don't want a team that's getting hot like that at the end of a season making the playoffs as a wild card team and then having to try to stop them. I don't want that. Yeah, they're a team that's so young they don't know enough to know that they're not good enough to win. Yes. They just find ways to do it. Yes. And it's maddening for teams that have paid their dues and struggled like the Bills have this year. Look at the Cowboys. The Cowboys were beating them twenty seven to ten. Mm-hmm. They won forty to thirty? Yeah. That's ridiculous. That shouldn't happen. No. But this New York Jets defense, as the Bills fans know, is a buzzsaw. So I'm excited to see, you know, the immovable object against the unstoppable force. Yeah. No, and that's it. I mean, selfishly, what I want to see is the Tennessee Titans is the only AFC South representative in the playoffs this year. Because I know I can handle them if I have to. Right. We've already done it. I want to see that again. 
I'm afraid of what happens if the Jaguars make the playoffs. I know I don't want to be the team to play them. No. Not, at least not out of the box. Let somebody else worry about that. Chris, it's going to be a, it's going to be a very interesting Christmas weekend. It is. I'm. I, I will say I am kind of sick and tired of the Bills playing on holidays. Yeah. Because well, I everybody's got to play this weekend. Yeah, but playing like like Christmas Eve, you're going to do this to me. Like if the Bills lose, what are, what I'm day did be you a, want them to play? Christmas Eve is Saturday. Christmas is Sunday. They could play Monday night on the twenty sixth. They could have had us play on Thursday. No, but they got that awesome matchup of the Jets and Jaguars. <laughs> they fought for that real hard. Yeah, sweet, so, sweet game at Amazon Prime. Either way, if this goes south, the Bills and the games and everything else, and nothing falls in our favor, it's going to be one of the worst Christmases ever. That's not true. My kids are little. They like it's 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 it'll still be good. But there's going to be that extra few glasses of whiskey thrown in that I just feel it could be avoided if things just kind of fall my way. Right. So how much extra whiskey is there for you if the bills win and these other things don't bounce our way? I'd say a glass. OK, a glass. Not the five I'm going to have if <laughs> uh, Chris. What's up? Thanks for opening the show. You're That's what I'm mensch. here for. You're a real mensch. Andy, always appreciate you sitting in with us. Thanks for having me. Guys, that's Chris Kruger. It's Andy Parks. I'm Drew Gear. And this has been your AFC's Roundup.